Welcome to the Legacy and Faith Show, featuring estate and tax attorney Paul Grant. The Legacy and Faith Show is about the journey of discovering how to create plans that protect wealth and family values for generations. And now the host of the Legacy and Faith Show, Paul Grant. Along with co-host Mark Holland, Legacy and Faith Show with Paul Grant. Uh, I didn't realize it, but you mentioned it last week, uh, Paul, uh, at least a year of this program. On it the, is. So. It's been cruising right along, haven't cruising we? right along, learning lots with yeah, you. Yeah, and you, thank you for being a part of this for so long with me. You've hung in there with me, too. Hung in there, but you do most of the talking. Okay. It's your show, <laughs> so I, I do learn a lot. I try and uh, interject here a little bit here and there, but... I know this week we are reviewing your estate planning life cycle, but you wanted to focus in on the biblical foundation of good estate planning and life cycle of that. Yeah, we have already done in the past a um, a discussion about the estate planning life cycle from an estate planning perspective. In other words, some of the practical things of why do we even have a life cycle? Why is it a part of my firm culture? Why do I... um, uh, stand on this part of my business. So all of those are at legacyandfaith.com. So you can go back and listen to the podcast with, um, boy, how many, I think it was seven or eight different, um, uh, dis- maybe six. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, well, got, between got, six or seven. You've got eight steps, and we usually got through maybe maybe one and a half. One and a half per, per show. <laughs> yeah, so. because remember, Paul likes to talk, right? Oh, so yeah, I do most of the talking. But um, so all of that is is up at our website. You can go back and listen to the practical aspects of why do we need to do estate planning and what is each section for. But now what I really wanted to come back to was pull in the biblical foundation of why do I have this step? Um, this show, the Legacy and Faith show, it's the legacy, which is we want to build a legacy that we can hand off to others. And for a lot of what we talk about, that means finances. It doesn't have to mean finances. It can mean who we are. And estate planning should encompass so much more than just passing money or getting a bank account to the next person. So there is a legacy component to everything that we do within the firm. And really, it's driven by the client of how important is it that they begin to communicate their values. But the faith component is just as equally important in what I do. And so we want to develop the foundation of faith in each one of these sections, in each one of these life cycles so that, so I want to bring that component over this series. So we're reviewing, and of course we're going to throw out some of the practical stuff because it's impossible not to. But really, it's the biblical foundation that we want to focus on. And a little bit last week we did that with step number one, which is, are you even engaging in the conversation yet? So um, as a quick review then from, from our show last week is that step number one is exploration and education in the in the estate planning life cycle. And that session is getting relevant information to make sure that you're going to make the right choices for your family. And we used a couple scriptures in Proverbs concerning wisdom. Um, and just as a review, Proverbs 14.1 says that a wise woman builds her home, but with her own hands, the foolish tear it down. So, there is a self, a, a do-it-yourself mentality in estate planning that this should be really simple. 
This should be, I mean, all I got to do is just get my stuff over. So the internet thing that you see, uh, you know, get your will here, will.com or whatever, and go over there and just get your your. Yeah, will. whatever the websites are. I don't even yeah. know them all. Yeah. Um, and so the, they're you numerous. You don't recommend that. No, because really all you're getting is a template version. So you're not getting, number one, those are very questionable because they're not created for Washington State specifically. They don't have Washington law in them, uh, for at least what I've seen. Uh, maybe some of them do, but just based upon my experience, what I've seen is that they are very templated and they're, they're national companies and they're throwing in some tidbits of Washington law. They're not specific towards Washington is, law. Is that better than nothing, than no will at all? Well, what would you say? Boy, I, I tell you that that's a really hard question. Um, for the will attribute, it's, boy, that's a trick question almost. Um, I would say yes and no. The, the, the yes component is, is it better to have somebody that you specifically name to walk through and, and empower over your estate? And specifically if, you are not going to leave things to your kids or you're not going to leave them in an equal way. Then that, then a will can at least accomplish those two values for you. But that's all it can, can do. And so, yes, that could be better than nothing. But, um, in Washington, the law is pretty robust of, of who gets what and how things are to, um, how things are going to go down the line. The one area also that I could also uh, speak to is if you're in a blended family, if you're in a second marriage and you don't have common children, or if you've had children in one marriage and now you have children in another marriage, boy, I'm telling you, blended blended families and dying is a disaster. Mm. It is a very complicated area of law, and and if there is any way that you can stay out of the probate system in that scenario, you need to. And so... Um, so yes, there are some times when some documentation is better than none, and but then again, it depends on the document. So it can be so bad that it really becomes a um, a difficult document to use, causing more problems than it is worth it. So we need to be more specific, um, because and the do-it-yourselfers. I this is what Proverbs says: is that with her own hands, the foolish tear it down. So in other words, there's something about us wanting to do it ourselves that it, that needs to be looked at cautiously. There's great things that we can do for ourselves. And then there's other things that it will tear down our house and we need to be, uh, we just need to be warned. Proverbs 19.20 says, listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. So, in this area, it's my proposition that the average individual is not able to do it themselves. There's too many pitfalls. There's too many what-ifs. And a good estate plan will really accommodate the what-if scenarios, the the first layer, and then there's a second layer and oftentimes a third layer because we can't predict life. So our estate plan needs to predict the unpredictable. And again, you wanted to reemphasize that the estate plan takes care of you in this world, too, mm-hmm. because of people living longer and can't make decisions maybe in the last few years of their life, and that needs to be squared away as to who's going to be the representative. Yeah, that's exactly right. As a matter of fact, it can cost more to get someone empowered over your finances when you're alive 
than it will cost to empower somebody over your finances when you die. And so, um, so there are different court processes. It's a different court process to get a guardian or an estate representative during your lifetime than it is when you die. And so, therefore, um, if we don't have anything, then it could be a world of hurt. But the, but the whole point is, do we have the proper education in step number one? Do we have the proper information so that we can make the right decisions? Do we have that wisdom and do we have that counsel or are our own hands tearing down what we think we're trying to build up? And so, uh, go back and listen to, to what we talked about last week. There was a greater explanation, of, a, a bigger discussion about the issue you just brought up, is that we need to get wisdom. So, um, so if we move on then in the estate planning life cycle. To number two, yeah, which is yeah. engage and create. So engage and create. So experience counseling leads you through the questioning process so that nothing is missed. So in other words, um, there have to be relevant proper questions that are brought to the table um, in order for you to pull out and elicit the right decision within the plan. Um, Proverbs 16.9 says, The heart of man devises a plan, but the Lord orders the footsteps therein. So with proper wisdom and proper education, then our hearts can begin to see the proper road. And then when we're asked the right questions— we can listen and engage with the Holy Spirit of what is the proper decision ultimately for the family to match up to that goal and to that wisdom. So these first two um, components are linked um, dramatically. Now, so for example, engage and create. What type of proper questions need to be asked? Well, here's some statistics. I like statistics because, well— it's hard to argue that these statistics exist. Of course, you could always find a study that says something different, I guess. But, um, but in this area, uh, there's, there's usually multiple factors or multiple studies that show the same thing. So now I talk a lot – not a lot, excuse me. I, I, I talk with my clients about – specifically married clients – is if one of you dies – what is the next, what is the surviving spouse likely to do? Now, this is more likely for a man than for a woman. So if I had a live show, I'd be asking you to call in and tell me, what do you think a man does more often than what a woman does? So, Mark, you want to take any guesses of what a man does when, when he loses his, his wife to death? Uh, he, he probably dies within a year well, or he might get remarried quickly. Okay. So there we go. So yes. Now you mentioned several different things. So number one, long-term healthy marriages. In other words, if you're in your eighties and nineties, um, you are absolutely correct. Um, that the lifespan is between a year or two years and the surviving spouse dies within that time frame. Yeah. Now, um, either that or statistically, um, someone who loses their spouses in their 60s and 70s, which happens, or even younger, then that surviving spouse will live for 20 years or more. So those are dramatic time differences. Yeah. Is there some kind of statistics on – I've, I've, I would gather to think that men probably remarry more often than a lot of women. A yes. lot of women will just remain widows. Yeah, yeah. and so um, I like to ask these questions. How – 
How fast do you think the average man gets remarried after they lose their spouse? So we want to take any guesses? Now, Now you got to be very sensitive to our women out there, Mark. Okay, so if I ask this... I would say within two years. Okay, and so you're dead on. So isn't that funny? An estate planning joke. You're dead on. Okay. So um, now most women, they say less than, oh, within a year. Okay. So now within two years. So so the same for both? Now, good question. Okay, so okay. so now, now this is going to be even a, a bigger trick question. How long until a, a surviving spouse who is the wife, a female, how long before she gets remarried? Because women... Here's the answer you always give me, give me, which is, I will never get remarried. Okay, that's fine. I know, I know you think that's true. So, but you have a statistic. So, therefore, uh, go ahead, Mark. Uh, th- throw out a couple uh, numbers. Ten years. Okay. Well, that that's higher than than what most people say. Most people oh. say around five. Okay. But um, so you were very kind to women. Good job. Um, no, it's it's seven. Seven years. So about seven years because it takes them that much longer. To determine whether they want to babysit somebody again. Okay. So, <laughs> it's okay. I'm a guy. I understand this concept very well. Mm-hmm. So, now the question is, if I use a will and I leave everything to my wife, or I'll reverse the puzzle, which is my wife dies, and she leaves everything to me. And now, statistically, Paul Grant is going to get remarried um, within a two-year period. Okay. So... My question to you out there is, what does your estate plan say about remarriage? Are we protecting each other? And, oh, by the way, if I get remarried and then die and my will says give everything to my wife, how much did my kids get out of that? So then an an outdated estate plan. So we're going to come back and explore a few of these. We need to head into a break, but I don't want to leave this topic alone because the whole point is that we need to engage and create. We need to have the right questions asked because we have strong opinions about this if you're married, right? So if my wife did die, does she want to leave things to my second wife, assuming the stats are right and I get remarried? Or does she want to leave what she has earned in her portion of the estate to our two daughters? What do you think out there? Well, we'll leave you ruminating on that. (laughs) All right, looking at the estate planning life cycle this week and the biblical foundations of that. It's the Legacy and Faith Show with Paul Grant. People are interested. Paul, how do they get in touch with you if they want to find out more? Head over to our website at LegacyandFaith.com. There's podcasts, past podcasts, uh, educational opportunities. So we need to get educated about this. Um, and so that way we can walk into the Engage and Create properly. So head over to LegacyandFaith.com. Back with more of the Legacy and Faith Show with Paul Grant in just a moment. Hi, this is Paul Grant with the Legacy and Faith Show. Hosea 4.6 says, My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. God's people need to be fully prepared in managing their finances and ensuring that their wealth is properly transferred. It is our passion to bring this knowledge to the body of Christ. If your church would benefit from having a financial and estate session that is biblically based, then I encourage you to reach out to us so that we can help design and implement a specific and strategic session for your church. Or, if you are interested in estate planning services, then I likewise encourage you to reach out to us. You can go to LegacyInFaith.com and receive all the information you need. Again, go to LegacyInFaith.com. Your photos, slides, scrapbooks, and home movies are invaluable and irreplaceable. Barry Kenny here with The Bear Services. 
Call us to save them as digital files to be stored electronically and shared liberally. We will even come to you so they stay in your possession. Go to thebearservices.com for more information. That's thebearservices.com. We now return to the Legacy and Faith Show, featuring estate and tax attorney Paul Grant, and continue today's practical discussion to apply biblical principles for kingdom purposes. Along with co-host Mark Holland, the Legacy and Faith Show with Paul Grant this week, looking at the estate planning life cycle and the biblical foundation of some of these steps. We're on to the engage and create step right now, step two. That's right. So we were just talking as we entered into break that we have to have somebody guide us to the right questions. Most people don't think about the issue that they will get remarried. So if your estate plan is completely absent of that conversation, is your estate plan really going to work? Um, I left with the, with the question of, well, what does my wife want if she were to die, give everything to me, and then I get remarried? Would have her desire been to make sure that a portion, if not everything, get to our girls because we have two daughters. And I can tell you for sure that my wife's desire is that our girls be blessed because that's what we've engaged in collectively. Our thought process today as a married couple is, well, of course our girls get everything. So therefore, if she dies, how does her intent, how does her voice continue to make sure that her intent is realized with her portion of the estate. And how does that happen? Because, yeah, the guy gets remarried, or like you say, it all goes to him, um, and he, technically he can do what he wants, yep. but but unless the trust says otherwise. There you go. So we have to use the right document to get to the right solution. And that's really why I'm saying that um, that that every family has a different value system. Every family has a different purpose of why they want to create estate planning. And so I don't want to be just a hammer looking for a nail. I want to make sure that we have a full discussion in that step one, which is exploration and education. So now, um, but the whole point here of this discussion is the right questions make a big difference. Um, the right education make a big difference in designing your long-term estate plan. In other words, God has given you the vision of how to manage what he has put into your hands. And, and it's my firm belief that we are not to divorce that calling just because we die. We are to have our voice continue beyond what we, um, beyond our lifetime. So therefore, we are to create a plan that lives beyond us. As a matter of fact, um, Proverbs even says that that uh, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Well, how do you do that if you don't plan? You just don't leave stuff to the wind. You have to have a plan in order to make make that statement a reality. So we need to create a good plan. Now, here's the problem. One of the problems is found in James four thirteen, And James writes... That you say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such a city and continue there for a year and buy and sell and get gain. Verse 14 says, but do you not, uh, but you do not know what will be yours tomorrow. For what is your life? It is a vapor that appears for a short time and then vanishes away. In addition, in Luke 12, in Luke 12, 
Verse 18, here, the prosperous farmer, or some people call him the foolish rich man, he says, I will do this. This is what I will do. I'll pull down all my barns and I'll build greater. And there I will bestow all of my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have done well. You've laid up much for yourself over the years. Now sit down, take it easy, drink, eat, and be merry. And God said, you fool, this night your soul shall be required of you. Then who shall those things be which you have provided? So I want to really look at this, um, at these couple of scriptures, because part two is engage and create. One of the biggest mistakes I see is that people get some education, they walk away, and then they don't do anything. And here, I think as Christians, we we really do have a sense of this, that um, like James said, that life is here today and then gone tomorrow. It's but a vapor. Here, God shocked in Luke, God shocked this this rich, foolish man because he says, today your life is required of you. I tell people estate planning is very easy. Just tell me 30 days before you're going to die and we'll get it all right. <laughs> right. Um, but we, we know that that's not usually possible. Now, there are some people who understand that they're in their last days. And so, so they could call in the troops and pay a much higher price to get it done very, very quickly. Okay, great. That, please do that. It, you need something to leave to the next generation. We need to do it well. But for most of us, we have not woken up this morning believing that today is our last day on earth. I, I, had no, I have no concept. Now, I deal with this every day. I deal with people dying. I develop estate plans to help people during their lifetime and to help their families transition in a smooth way when someone dies. I deal with this all the time. And yet, I did not wake up this morning, and I have not yet until right now when I'm speaking given any thought that today could be my last day. I think that there is an inherent self-protection mode within sure. us, built within us that sure. says, well, if I focus that today might be my last day, boy, that man, that's just going to be a really bummer of a day. Um, maybe some of you would say, well, that would be good because then I would have a lot to do today. Well, and there is a sense there. I think there is actually a biblical sense that says that we should be living life as today is our last day. So maybe we don't have a great enough sense mm. that says today really could be. And who are the people that we haven't shared the gospel with? Who are the ones that we love and care for? That if that if God truly said, you've got seven days, what would be the most important things that you would do with those seven days? And we've heard messages on this probably, which says, then why aren't you doing them today? Why have you not lived this week as if that was true? Well, because I'd be in Hawaii on a beach with my family (laughs) and I could and my whole law firm would fall apart. So we would make different decisions if we really knew, if we really thought about that today is our last day, but yet our last day creeps up on us and we don't know when it is. And so the call to action is not just to get educated, but the call to action is that we must engage. And that's why this strategic point number two is called engage and create because you can't just create you have to engage in the process we can't be this rich foolish ruler which says 
I've done well. I can just kick up. I can relax. I can enter into retirement. I have no worries. Um, I've got tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next and says who? And says who? And so we need to be prepared. And it's harder when you're younger. So when if you're in your 30s with a small family, man, you really don't think you're going to die. I, I, I'm 51 and I have no sense of, of my mortality yet. I really don't, even though I do this every day. My parents are in their 80s, and I think they're just barely beginning to talk about because they're watching all their friends die. I'm fortunate enough to have both my parents around. But now they talk to me a little bit more about their estate plan. Hey, is that all buttoned up? Well, what if we change this? So the idea that as we get older, it becomes more and more real to us that, yes, my time to be called home may be soon. Well, I don't have today as a guarantee. So we need to be prepared. We need to engage. I think it's a clear biblical mandate Mm -hmm. that we be prepared and that we engage in this process. And that's what I want to call you forward to. So head over to LegacyInFaith.com. That's our website, LegacyInFaith.com. Sign up for an educational class, get some wisdom, get some knowledge, and then we will give you ways to engage that will make sense that, that we can talk about the finances, we can talk about the family and make sure that we're getting the right plan for you and your family. But we got to explore and we got to engage and we got to create. About a year's worth of podcasts at that website, legacyandfaith.com. Always great information with Paul Grant, estate and tax planning attorney, and the Legacy and Faith Show here on KCIS. Thank you for joining us for the Legacy and Faith Show. You can find more information about the show and Paul Grant at LegacyAndFaith.com. Join us next week at the same time as we learn to build God's kingdom and continue our journey on how to protect wealth and family values for generations. All discussions on the Legacy and Faith Show are intended to be about general legal issues. If a situation applies to you, then we encourage you to seek specific legal advice. Please do not rely upon any discussions from this program in place of having a personal relationship with your attorney. Any listener question that may have been answered also does not constitute legal advice and does not establish a client-attorney relationship.